Now, I was getting made fun of earlier because uh, I don't really listen to a lot of new music. Well, th- there's a reason why I listen to a lot of different podcasts. And one of them that I do, uh, you'll hear Mo Tequila on all the time. It's Oddball with Amin El Hassan, and it's a fantastic podcast. And you can see, sometimes you hear him on the Levitard Show. Maybe sometimes you hear him on The Athletic and the work that he does there. Also, I remind everyone to follow him on Twitter at Mo Tequila underscore NBA. His uh, breakdown of different teams and players is fantastic. He's joining us now. Mo, thanks for joining the show. Oh, no, thank you for having me. And I want to add one more thing. Yeah. Because it was an unbelievable introduction. Thank you. But I also have a YouTube channel, and on Tuesdays, I drop a power rankings. Love it. On that YouTube channel, go through all 30 teams. It's it's about 12 to 15 minutes. You'll enjoy it. It's fun. Go go check it out there. We'll do breakdowns. We'll have fun. I'll make jokes, you know, poorly jokes or bad jokes. Let me just be honest about it. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, kind of, uh, uh, moving forward, but go check it out. YouTube, uh, the, the jump ball power rankings. You'll find them on Tuesday. Now you want to say that one more time for the listeners. They're on YouTube and they feel like a 12 to 15 minute poorly, uh, poor joked laced NBA power rankings. Where would they go again? You go to just search the jump ball power rankings on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You'll find them. Perfect. Um, speaking of jump, oh look at that! Look at that for a radio <laughs> segue. It's almost like I'm a professional. Is Scotty Barnes making? And we all know what this is: the capital T J uh, jump, capital J. Is Scotty Barnes making the jump? Absolutely. I think even before, and we'll we'll talk about the game last night. But even before that he's been phenomenal really to start the season. He's been the bright spot for the Toronto Raptors, who, if I'm honest, haven't been my favorite uh, watch this season. You know, it's kind of a slog, but he's been absolutely phenomenal to start the season, shooting 42% from three, averaging almost 23 points a night, almost 10 rebounds and almost six uh, assists. That's the leak. This is what everybody, everybody was very hard on him last year and felt like he took a step back. This is what we were hoping for, but this is what we're seeing with him, and this is the guy that everybody was very excited about when Toronto drafted him. And it, I think the best thing for me is that he's been putting up star-level statistics since the beginning of the year, but he really looked like one of those stars in that fourth quarter, and we saw it early with just the comfortable jump shot, the the easy release on a couple three-pointers. So just those 17 points in the fourth quarter, that's kind of – that's what one of those guys looks like. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just the pure fact of, like, he took 10 threes and looked confident every time he took them. He went 5 or 10 from three, but each one of them, he felt confident in the way he took them. But he made plays that were – crashing for the offensive rebound and keeping yeah. plays alive and things like that. I mean, it wasn't just scoring. And the, the 17 points stands out and blows our mind in that sense. In a game where you're like, wow, this Spurs should win this by 20. They're beating the Raptors pretty good. He makes this comeback, and he kind of triggered it all. Like, he made all the plays. He had one play in particular that was kind of amazing. He's driving up the court. He has Webanyama on skates, backs out, kicks it to Schroeder, Schroeder throws it back to him, and now he's attacking Webanyama again on a closeout. Blows right by him for a layup. Like it was pretty impressive. Like that's those are the things you like to see from Scotty, where you got to be really excited as Raptor fans. What do you think? And again, this is a hard question to answer, and we'll put the caveat: it's really early, and it can you know there's so many different options on this journey. But what do you think the ceiling is for Scotty Barnes? 
I mean, that's a, that's a tough question. Yeah. I honestly think he he's probably reminiscent of uh, actually Scottie Pippen. You know, and I think that's probably his ceiling. I'm sure some Raptors fans are going nuts thinking he should be on the level of uh, a, a higher ceiling. But Scotty, I think, has the uh, the ability to run offense, organize you, get you going through things. He's an unbelievable defender with his length and whatnot. This he he has a lot of flashes of Pippen to me, and I see him, and I just think like if he hits his ceiling and he hits his mark, he's basically Scotty Pippen 2.0. On the other side, Pascal Siakam, five fewer shots per game than last year. His usage rate last year was 40th. Now it's 131st behind Marvin Bagley. Um, And the one thing I wonder about, and again, it's super early, but I couldn't help but think that the rise of Scotty Barnes is costing, could potentially cost Pascal Siakam a hundred plus million dollars. It won't cost him that. It just may not come from Toronto. That's really what it is. I think everybody knows who Pascal Siakam is around the league, and there's going to be a lot of interest come trade deadline. There was a lot of interest last trade deadline. There were whispers over the offseason that teams were interested in Pascal Siakam. So there's going to be some of that stuff, and he's going to get his money in his contract. Look, he's when he's rolling, he's still you know a top 25 player in the NBA. It's not top 15. I think we're the – the thing for the Raptors that they need to figure out, they're in a difficult spot mm-hmm. if, if we're being honest, because they got to figure out, okay, are we rebuilding and building around Scotty Barnes or are we trying to really win and, and need guys like Pascal, OG Ananobi, another guy, do we need to get these guys going? And I think that's the, the situation they got to figure out as an organization, because you're in a weird crossroads. And as we've learned over and over again, Trying to thread that needle of two timelines is almost impossible. Yeah, Golden State tried it, and it didn't really work for them. And I think my point about the money is that uh, two of the last three years, Siakam has made an all-NBA uh, team at forward, and if if his usage rate is going to go down because more of the offense is going through Scotty Barnes, which seems like the right move, uh, there's... You know, there's only six spots available, and I don't think Siakam. Uh, I don't think Siakam gets one of those six spots unless he has the higher usage rate. Yeah, no problem. But I think Philadelphia would be happy to pay Scott, uh, <laughs> Siakam hundred million to, to, to make sure they keep Joel Embiid happy. So um, that's that's more my line of thinking in that sense of like I think they will. I think financially, I think the, he will get the contract he's looking for. Where do you think would make the most sense? And again, I. I this is not really about speculating, oh, Siakam is going to be traded. This is more of the state of the rest of the NBA. But where would make the most sense for Siakam? Okay, so obviously I already said Philly. We, we, we kind of could sort of see that fit. I'm going to throw a weird one out there, and I haven't Love it. fully flushed out the idea myself. Because also this is still early in the season, and you're still trying to figure out teams and whatnot. I think he'd actually do pretty well in Dallas. I think Dallas needs a little bit more oomph on the wing. Yep. We, you, you don't know what you're going to get from Kyrie. You, you know what you're getting from Luka night in and night out. Kyrie, if he's on the court, unbelievable. You just, it's a ticking time bomb to me. Like I'm just waiting for the next thing to happen with him. Mm-hmm. But with Siakam, you get, you know, having a guy down low who Luka can just take possessions off, give it to him. Let him go ISO for a few possessions and, and, and let Luca rest and whatnot. As great as Luca has been to start the season, 
I don't know if he can do this for the full 82-game season. I don't know if anybody really can and do that and then do that in the playoffs when it gets even tougher. Adding a guy like Siakam would help them. I don't think they have a way of getting him. So, like, in terms of, like you said, it's not about trade speculation, but that would be a place I would look at that I think that would be a, a little bit of an interesting fit for them. It makes a lot of sense because, A, you are getting an adult and a professional and someone you don't have to worry about, unlike with Kyrie. And then on top of that, when the Raptors won the title during their run, sometimes Siakam was the second best player. Sometimes he was the third best. And here and there against Golden State, he was the best player on the court. So his sort of versatility and unselfishness, Mo, you're right, that would work out uh, really well for the Mavericks. It's just an interesting spot there. You know, I just think the look, I'm always trying to find a way to help Luka Doncic. It's not just because my dog's named Luka, <laughs> um, but it's, it's just along the lines of trying to find, you know, like this, I want to see guys like him have chances and they need to have more of a supporting cast. And I've liked what Dallas has done so far, but they still need some more. And I think Siakam would be a nice fit for them. Moving over to Victor Wimbanyama, and we are joined by Mo DeKeel. You can catch his work, Bleacher Report, The Athletic, his YouTube channel as well. Um, Victor Wimbanyama, I think my favorite was OG Ananobi afterwards, said he's way too tall. You know, never said anyone that tall, <laughs> tall in life. But his main complaint was just way too tall. I felt bad for OG. You know, OG did everything right and would still get his shot blocked. Um, what are you, when you watch and break down Victor Wimbanyama, is there anyone in the like the, the example I gave was young Shaq in terms of a, a player? I'm like I've never seen anything like this before. That's what Victor Wembanyama feels for me. I'm gonna steal this from a friend of mine. Um, he knows I'm stealing it and gave me permission. But I would say that the um, watching Victor Wembanyama must be what it feels like when people were watching Wilt Chamberlain back in the day going up against guys that were six five. Right. You know, in that sense. It's 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 kind of silly with some of these things. He had a play last night that I found absolutely fascinating. Uh he was it looked like a clear layup. I don't remember who it was shooting it for Toronto. And and just Victor came from behind and completely just blocked it. And I just I even tweeted it out going like if you think you have an open layup against San Antonio and Victor Webb and Yama's on the court, he's behind you. And that means he's coming for it. And I think that's just those things. His, his length, his ability to kind of affect shots. You know, he, he blocked another corner three last night. I think it was just, you know, it's, 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 it's shocking. It's, it's almost jarring to watch, and it stands out when you see it, where you're just like, you can't take your eyes off. Yeah, it, it's true. There's just this physicality of him, and he's so skinny, but you're absolutely right. Um, is it wrong, uh, Mo, uh, that I have uh, – I don't think I've ever rooted against the team as much as I am the Clippers. Uh, Harden makes his debut tonight against the Knicks, and I wish James Harden to have a full and wonderful and complete life and that he you know, can, can find a, a partner and can, and can grow old and just have this wonderful life where he gives back to everyone <laughs> and, and, and on his final days on this planet can have a smile on his face and realizes that he has done something great for humanity. But during his playing days, I hope he loses and, and is embarrassed. So I just wouldn't wish that on the Clipper organization just because, I mean, one, I was part of the organization for two different times. That's true. I'm sorry. The, the, the <laughs> amount of, no, no, I understand. I understand where you're coming from because don't get me wrong. I kind of feel it. But I also just feel the organization itself is, you know, in, in need of wins and trying to get to where they need to be. So I just feel like that fan base kind of needs it. So 
I felt bad. I didn't like the Harden trade. I don't know necessarily how it fits. And the guy I think who gets screwed out of all of this was actually Russell Westbrook. Agreed. Because I felt I felt like he found a role with this team. And I wasn't – if you go back to the podcast and the stuff I was on last year when they were bringing in Russ, I was killing him. I thought it was dumb. I'm watching him at the start of the season. I said, he's exactly what they need. He's speeding them up. He's getting them into offense. Like, I'm very worried about the Clippers, the pace of play they're going to play when Harden's on the floor. I, I just don't know how it fits and how it all works, you know, Maybe they have it figured out better than me, but we're about to find out pretty quickly. Mo, really appreciate whenever you take time to join the show. Follow them out on Twitter at Mo DeKeel underscore NBA. And again, check out the YouTube channel every Tuesday, putting out his NBA power rankings with C-minus level comedy. Really appreciate Mo. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Take care. Mo DeKeel joining us here on Gameplay and uh, then actually next game for the Raptors on this station Wednesday night is the Raptors at Dallas taking on the Mavericks.